You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views and the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. It is brought to you by Solaray Energy, designing and installing solar and storage solutions so you can run your electric vehicle the smart way on solar. Hello and welcome back to The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of The Driven and also its parent website, Renew Economy. And um, we're really launching the podcast after a uh, break of a couple of months. And um, I'd like very much to welcome our new sponsors, Solaray Energy. Um, the boys at Solaray Energy have um, or had supported the Energy Insiders podcast from Renew Economy, which has been going for three years. And um, They've decided to switch over to electric vehicles, and that makes sense for them. Both uh, Peter and Jonathan, the uh, principals at Solaray Energy, not only do they know the solar business and um, battery storage, but they both own electric vehicles. And um, one of the fascinating things which are happening in the industry now is the sort of convergence of people thinking about electric vehicles and how that fits in with the rooftop solar panels and battery storage. And we'll be seeing more of that as the... um, clean energy transition occurs both on the electricity grid and on the roads. So for this return episode, we're actually not going to focus on the four-wheel electric vehicle. We're actually going to the two-wheel electric vehicle. And I guess there's no I, there's no brand which is as iconic as the Harley-Davidson. And the Harley-Davidson has finally released in Australia its live wire, which is its electric hog, if you like, um, a fully electric bike. And um, they had the first road tests in Australia last week. And um, one of the lucky people to have one of those road tests was uh, my friend and colleague, Nigel Morris. Nigel has been in the solar industry for many, many moons. He's been a contributor to Renew Economy and The Driven. And he's also the co-host of uh, Solar Insiders podcast. And um, Nigel, welcome back to The Driven podcast. Thank you, Giles. Uh, feet have nearly touched back down on the ground after uh, getting to ride a brand new electric motorcycle last week. Oh, look, I know how excited you were. And um, look, let's just take, let's just start off with just like, let's just take this little 10 second break. Right back to the beginning. Just to, right back to the beginning. Let's just, let's just hear what you heard when you went off on your Harley Davidson. Now, that was a bit scratchy because there was a bit of wind noise there, but I think you get the impression it's 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 a whirring sound. It's not a grunt. It's a whirring sound, not a grunt. Is it still a hog? <laughs> it's, oh, it's 100% still a Harley Davidson. In fact, I, I, I had that conversation where I kind of t- chatted with some of the other guys there who, you know, uh, were, were long time, you know, 50-year Harley Davidson guys and said, is, you know, is it a Harley? Is it still a Harley? And I went, yeah. Kinda, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> so, um, but it's got it's got the heritage behind it, and you know the history of Harley Davidson is really interesting. You know, I was I was just looking at Wikipedia, in fact, and you know when when William S Harley and Arthur Arthur Davidson first built a motorcycle, and their marketing guy talked about this. They got a 
bicycle and they bought a motor and they bolted it together to try and make something fantastic. And uh, that's pretty much what their tradition has been, is look around the world. Apologies for the siren, listeners. Um, look around the world, find the best tech, build it into a good motorbike and go from there. And the, 117 years later, they're still doing the same thing. And so, you know, when you think about it in that context, it, it makes sense. And in that sense, it's Harley, uh, you know, doing its best to adapt to the changing market, and the changing world. And, you know, so this time they've got an electric motor. When you drive a normal petrol or diesel car, you get a certain experience. A lot of people have driven some fantastic cars over the years and the decades and things like that. You hop into an electric vehicle and it's like a total different experience. And for many people, it's just like, you know, so uplifting. They can't imagine actually going back to a petrol car. I mean, a lot of them do because that's their second car and they get to drive them occasionally. But they go, well, I don't really want to. What's it like with an electric, what's it like with a motorcycle? I was just trying to mute out the uh, the fire ambulance going past. My apologies, listeners. Um, it's very, in many ways, it's the same, but actually it, it, it does have a different sensation because of really two critical things that are quite different. Number one, you don't have any centrifugal mass. When you've got a massive engine, big V-twin Harley, for example, or, um, or a big engine, you've got this huge reciprocating mass. So that's kind of throwing the bike around a bit. It's all very subtle, but it's it's creating inertia in the bike, and you're constantly, subconsciously fighting against that inertia. Uh, you've got big flywheels. You've got all this kind of spinning mass, right? In an electric motorcycle, that is effectively gone. It's just It just doesn't exist. The motor is relatively small doesn't have a huge amount of inertia or spinning mass and it runs at a pretty much a constant speed it's it's not um you know vibrating it's not pulsing you don't get pulses of energy delivery through to the to the drivetrain so it's very very smooth so it's kind of the same in the sense that you can have bags of power and deliver it um but it's smoother it's gear changelessness, gear changeless, um, and and it doesn't have that pulsing and that inertia. So what it means is, a, is as a bike to ride, um, it has different characteristics because you're not having to overcome that inertia to try and turn the bike. So they behave quite differently. They actually require quite different chassis geometry and quite different um, build. You can't really successfully just bolt an electric motor into a, a normal motorbike and expect it to handle correctly. So you know, like Harley have done, um, pretty much every other manufacturer has designed a very special chassis to take those engine performance characteristics and deliver them the best it can and amplify the good stuff and, um, um, you know, get rid of the bad stuff, pulses and centrifugal mass. There's nothing positive about them. It's just, it's a negative side effect. And what about just the acceleration? I mean, not to three, not to 103 seconds. Is that right? I mean, that just sounds like something that yep. a normal Harley wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do. I mean, so that must be something special. It's look. It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Uh, motorcycles, especially high-end, high-performance sports motorcycles, can do that kind of speed, right? Um, so you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And you can go out and you can buy a fifty thousand dollar Ducati or an Aprilia or something with launch control and you know uh, incredible power characteristics, and you can you can smoke uh, at at zero to one hundred in three seconds on many many bikes. So it's not the first bike to do zero to 103 seconds. However, 
the way that an electric motorcycle delivers it is entirely different because it is purely linear. It is a straight line. So the feeling and the sensation that you get when it delivers that power is super smooth, super linear, which... Uh, which firstly feels faster because there's no interruptions and no gear changes, no clutches and nothing like that. It just goes. And, and thirdly, because it is so smooth and so linear and because it's digitally controlled critically, you've got fantastic throttle control. So, you know, when you, the biggest challenge with building motorcycles, powerful motorcycles is not putting more power into the bike. It's how do you deliver that power to the road? How do you get it down without just, you know, blowing out drive chains or, 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 or you know, uh, spinning the back wheel? So throttle control is a critical part of the real massive benefit that you get from electric motorcycles. It's actually the thing that I love the most, Giles, because it's about where the fun is. So turn the throttle, <laughs> give me exactly what I want, exactly when I want it in, in intimate, intimate, uh, granular adjustability. Uh, and, and by the way, make it programmable. Give me a touchscreen display that allows me to modify those settings to change the way it delivers power, which we had a great time doing during the, during the test ride. So it's about power delivery as much as outright power. The outright power is there. More than zero to hundred is very, very fast. Um, um, and, and it will light the back wheel up and it will smoke it around a corner. Trust me. Uh, so it's plenty fast enough, but it's all about how beautifully it delivers it. It's, it's, it's like butter. It just like this. Oh, so good. Now, what about charging? Um, they've got, they look like they've got a petrol tank on top of that, but I'm presuming that's just for show. That's just like a bit of sort of molding, um, to sort of what's that covering the battery and, um, presumably the, um, electric charging socket or something like that. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, there's a couple of interesting features that you've picked up on there because um, we were lucky enough to get to see one of the bikes in pieces. They pulled one apart for us to give us a good squeeze. So on the top, what looks like the normal fuel cap is, in fact, a charge port. It's a CCS um, charge port, so it'll take um, DC direct current charging as well as AC if you've got a level um, a level one charger. Now. Um, with CCS direct DC charging, you can whack this thing. In fact, I witnessed this bike being charged at 20 kilowatts. Now, it's got a 15.5 kilowatt hour battery. So think about that for a minute. I'm putting 20 kilowatts into a 15 kilowatt battery. I'm whacking this thing hard uh, and it will take a lot of charge very, very quickly. So I watched them literally topping the bikes up after we'd been out for a day from about 40% to about 80% in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. They just went bang and had them topped up again, which is very cool if you can find a CCS charger. Outside of that, it also has the ability to plug into a normal 240 volt outlet or a 110 volt outlet if they're in the US and it's on board it's got a 1.4 kilowatt charger so obviously that'll take you know 10 12 hours plus to charge it from flat which is pretty slow but that's okay um, um, it's deliberately kept down I've actually I actually was a bit 
it was probably the one criticism I had of the bike was I thought they could have put a larger onboard charger on. There's enough space and real estate, and under that cover is the charger. It's very small. It's very compact. It's IP rated in a really robust looking, you know, waterproof enclosure. So it's a nice solid little charger. They've kept it small capacity because they've assumed, look, you're either going to slow charge it overnight or convenience charge at a cafe or something just to get a few extra kilowatts in, or you're going to pop down to a CCS charger and whack the thing with 20 kilowatts. And and they haven't bothered about the bit in the middle. I personally think there's, rain, there's room for a higher power charger on board um, that would add to the convenience and allow level two chargers to deliver more, which just gives more accessibility. But, you know, um, first cab off the rank, let's see, let's see where they get to. So, you know, for the majority of owners who are in the US where CCS is pretty common and even growing in Australia, you're going to find this pretty reasonable in terms of being able to rock up somewhere and really whack it with a big charge if you need to. Um, um, but if you're relying on the onboard charger, you're, um, you know, you're ordering a, a slow-cooked meal. Nigel, let's just take a break and take an interview with um, when you're at Harley-Davidson. You've, you've got an interview in the can for us. Um, who's it with? Yeah, Keith uh, Keith Wardell's their marketing guy. Excellent um, um, a conversation I had with Keith, where I really pride him to try and explain, you know, who's going to buy it, what's the history, why have you ended up here. Um, Keith, really interesting uh, views and opinions. Let's hear what he had to say. I'm here with Keith Wardell, who's the marketing manager for Harley-Davidson in Australia. Um, Keith has uh, very generously allowed myself and about a dozen other people to go and flog the crap out of a whole bunch of live wires today, which has been a joy. Um, nice to meet you, Keith. Um, let's let's go back to the beginning a bit. Um, I, you, you talked in your presentation today about the sort of five-year journey. Uh, in fact, you went right back to the beginning of Harley-Davidson and talked about the fact that they they just, when the, when the Davidson family wanted to build their first motorised bicycle, they went and looked for a power plant. And, and this is just an evolution of that. Tell me, tell me that story about, you know, how you ended up with over a hundred years of history and from a from a bicycle to where you are today. Yeah, so just coming back to that, uh, obviously back in 1903, Harley and the Davidsons uh, looked at essentially a bicycle and, and wondered how they could motorize it. And really that innovation has carried the company through uh, the 117 years plus uh, that we've been in existence. And, you know, looking at EV, it's just the, the evolution of that. So how can we take a new power source and, and, and look to propel a, a two-wheeled two vehicle? Mm, mm. So just a natural part of the, the evolution to you. It was interesting to me, the thing that struck me looking at it, um, I mean, amazing job. The bike looks fantastic. It was a joy to ride. It was wonderful in, in many, many, many respects. And even the hardcore guys who were with us today who are obviously died in the blood old school Harley fans liked it yep. they, they really did like it you know it's not for everyone um, but that's okay um, um, the thing that struck me was I kept looking at it going does it look like a Harley is, is it a Harley or is it is it something whole, all new you know it, it kind of Harley Davidson says big V twin to, to so many people how um, you know what are you going to do about that challenge? 
So yeah, I mean, in terms of the bike and, and the aesthetics of the bike, it's, it's a combination of taking the technology, uh, obviously the tech itself, you do, you're faced with a, a fairly large battery that you want to build into the design of the bike, uh, but still keeping that authenticity around the look and feel. So, um, you know, the bike was designed by the same team uh, that design all our other uh, uh, bike big twin uh, bikes so you know that comes into play they, they obviously design all the bikes and and they, they've definitely put a different tweak on to, to Lagwar it's a slightly different riding position but I think that reflects the performance of the bike overall um, you know that zero to 103 seconds you need that more aggressive riding style to, to fit the the performance of the bike yeah and I mean it, it still looks like a Harley uh, there's no doubt about that but it's yeah you're, you're right it's 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 got a, a twist on that which is which is fabulous so um, you mentioned earlier today that you, uh, Harley Davidson launched the Livewire about a year ago overseas there's obviously been a lot going on in the last year which has made everyone's lives a bit tricky and, and you're now launching in Australia um, why Australia? Australia is a nightmare for EV owners, right? Not enough charging infrastructure. The government thinks they're stupid, uh, broadly speaking, um, and 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 it's been a very very challenging environment for cars, let alone for such a niche product like a motorcycle. Why are, why are you launching in Australia, and and what what do you expect is going to happen here? Mm. It's a great question. So yeah, we we have launched Livewire in other markets. Um, so US, Canada and European markets. Uh, for Australia, it was always the plan to launch at this time of year um, uh, and we wanted to stick to that. Uh, we do think there's uh, interest there in, in Australia. Yes, the infrastructure is not as good as other markets. Uh, we feel that you know a, a big excuse me, a big uh, motorcycle manufacturer, coming to play in the EV space will definitely help. And I think it just needs that critical mass. We need, we encourage more manufacturers to get into EV. Um, you know, for, for Livewire itself, we do see it as, I guess, our halo EV product. Um, it will attract a, a specific buyer. Uh, it's not mass volume. Uh, it's not something that we're going after with, uh, definitely not with Livewire. Um, we, there are plans for more models to come out within the EV family from Harley-Davidson over the next few years. And in, in terms of infrastructure, you know, we are seeing increases. Uh, it's maybe not at the speed uh, that we would like to see, but, you know, 40% uh, in 2019 in terms of uh, public charging stations, you know, it's heading in the right direction mm, uh, mm. and we just need we need more of it that's for sure and in, in fact i was thinking about it i, I i've um done uh, analysis of the stats of motorcycle electric motorcycle ownership in australia over the last few years and um congratulations the ev motorcycle fleet just grew by about 15 percent which is material uh courtesy of that dozen bikes right out there so you know you've already had a massive impact on the number of bikes that are registered in australia so that's also i'm excluding scooters of course just just pure motorcycles so you've already made a dent and um you know you get 50 or 100 or 200 or 500 of those bikes on the road and 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 uh, it'll be um, wonderful, wonderful news. So, you know, who, who's, you know, the price has been published. It's, it's, it's a premium machine. It's a premium brand. Everything about the bike sings quality. Um, it, it felt gorgeous today, you know, hitting potholes. 
um, getting the cornering traction control to do what it was supposed to do when I went round a roundabout and the rear end stepped out and I felt the felt the thing doing its thing and you know it's bristling with technology it's bristling with great gear but it's a premium bike um, targeted at who who's gonna buy this bike so for for us we we definitely think we'll see interest in our existing customers um, you know that we've definitely already seen that come through as as we said it's, it was released a year ago uh, and we've had customers come into dealers saying put my name down I want one mm. um, that said uh, I think uh, given that it's uh, a different looking bike it's a different concept it does definitely challenges uh, definitely challenge people's perception of the brand mm. as a result I think it will attract brand new people mm. um, so uh, it will be those that, as you said, uh, they want to be early adopters of technology. Uh, they want to be the first uh, and they are excited by new technology. Mm. And, and probably with a, an overall blend of uh, that in environmental uh, factor as well, want to reduce emissions. Mm. Um, and, and that definitely comes into play. And I think that itself will also attract new people to the brand. Mm. Uh, traditionally, yes, we're, no, we're known for loud uh, powerful motorcycles mm. uh, while uh, Livewire has a unique sound which personally I love especially when you twist that throttle um, it's, it doesn't have the same um, noise to it uh, and obviously it's uh, completely environmentally friendly mm. Mm. yeah look and and, and uh, I have to admit the noise um, I, I've lived for years now without traditional motorcycle noise and um, yours has got a nice note to it, a nice sound to it that um, um, was quite visceral. It was um, not dissimilar to what I'm used to but it, there was a bit more mechanical noise because of the the gearbox. So let's talk about the tech, right? You, you guys have got a liquid-cooled controller. The, the, the boys kindly took the lid off the bike for us so we could have a poke around and could see the constructions. It uses Samsung SDI cells, uh, pouch cells inside, um, air-cooled um, pack, uh, liquid-cooled controller, liquid-cooled motor, and the motor sits uh, transverse under the uh, under the main battery pack, and there's a gearbox down there. What's the gearbox doing? So the the gear set itself is is there. I guess it meshes with uh, the the drive belt to in essentially uh, drive the rear wheel. Right. Um, so obviously, the the motor itself, so the permanent uh, magnetic motor, uh, along with the the motor control module, uh, essentially will take the charge from yep. the the res battery, and uh, take that power, uh, drive the the gear set, and then as a result, drive the uh, the rear wheel. What, why a gearbox though, rather than direct drive, like so many? That's the point that I'm getting at. You know, why have you put a gearbox in there? Is it purely because you got the motor mounted like that and you needed to switch the direction of motion around to get to the belt, or was there something else driving the thinking? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> I need to pass it to my technical colleague. That one's a uh, over. Um, on my technical level. Sure. I mean, it was interesting because when I was I was noticing, there's always, one of the fascinating things about electric motorcycles to me is because they are so inherently quiet, you hear things that you would never hear on a traditional motorbike. You'll hear 
tyres rolling along the road. You'll hear a panel squeaking. You'll hear anything flapping around. You'll hear it. Uh, you hear the belt uh, driving over the cogs. And I noticed just coming into the lights, there was a little sound that I picked up on and spoke to one of the engineers. And he said, that's the gear lash. Um, um, so you can hear the gears rocking back and forth a little bit. It was n- n- not a criticism whatsoever. It was just interesting to hear different sounds coming out of the bike. Hmm. Um, so t- tell me um, more about um, the tech that's in the bike. And I know you're not the tech expert, but um, you're the marketing guy. I actually really like the interface. And just as just in the last 15 minutes of the ride, we, me and one of the other guys were fiddling around and discovering all these controls and all these things that we could do. And we got the cruise control to work and we discovered all these um, controls and, 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 you know, simple things like the colour display um, was brilliant. It worked in full sun. It was a bright sunny day today. We could see it. We could use it. It was easy to manage. As the, mar- as the marketing guy... I don't want to drag you out of the out of your depth, but as the marketing guy, what is it that you love most about it? You know, what 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 is it that you're most excited about, and that you and that customers are telling you that they really dig about it, just as a as a as a as a piece of tech, you know? Yeah, I think it's the the seamless acceleration that you get with the bike. So obviously, the fact mm. that we are using EV as with any EV vehicle, that a hundred percent torque, um, immediately always available. Um, that that's the thrill of the ride um in addition to that just coming back to the tech and i guess the the interface the the fact that you know the 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 rider can um choose one of the four modes uh Mm. depending on how they want to ride uh ranging from the sport modes um down to uh rain modes so that's obviously to to assist with uh, adverse weather conditions we have the range modes, so uh, obviously set to, to get the maximum range out of the, the full charge of the battery. Uh, and then road mode is probably as close to the, the rider would get to a normal um, internal combustion engine uh, ride experience. Then uh, there's the three additional modes that are available, so the rider can, if that doesn't quite work for them, uh, they can then program uh, some additional modes, so selecting from the, the power output, the throttle response, the level of regeneration, and then finally the level of the, the traction control and ABS. Mm. Um, you know, and then the interface itself, just coming back to your comment, I think, yeah, it's, it's obviously a touchscreen. Uh, it's designed to do that with gloves on. Um, oh, is it? I didn't even, didn't even realise that. So some, <laughs> some touchscreens that, you know, if you've got right. glove on, it, it, it does not work. So mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely a key focus, uh, obviously, is they designed uh, the interface. Uh, the little gadget or widget, they call it on the bike, that I like the most is there. there is a, a, a little, uh, it's almost like a pie chart, which shows you um, your, uh, as you twist the throttle, the, the power, uh, and then as you're off throttle, how much is actually gain, getting fed back into uh, the bike, into the res battery, as, as we essentially see the, the kinetic energy from the rear wheel come back into that motor, uh, get converted from the three-phase AC and back into the, the res battery and stored mm. as DC. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we um, we discovered a, c- a couple of those things on the way back actually ourselves and we're watching the, uh, I was particularly interested in the power one and that was going up and down and then I could also see the temperature of uh, the various different components on the bike which is great so there was some good diagnostic stuff there. Listeners would know that I've had a 
you know, joyous but mixed experience of electric motorcycle ownership and, and, and mine um, is, has been off the road for a while and um, service has been a real challenge um, for, for all motorcycle electric motorcycle owners in Australia. Um, premium motorcycle, I can, I can immediately, in fact, my wife rang and said, are you still alive, firstly, and secondly, uh, are you convinced, do you want to buy one and how much are they? And I told her and she said words that I can't repeat. And so, you know, it's a challenge even for someone like me who actually is, you know, a perfect candidate to buy one. Um, the th- the only argument that I can give my wife to spend $49,550 on a motorcycle is that I feel more comfortable with a brand that's 117 years old that I'm going to get the support and if something goes wrong, I'm going to get looked after and that there's perhaps more at stake for Harley-Davidson than there was for the brand of motorcycle that I currently own um, and wish worked but didn't, but doesn't. Um, the reality of that, of course, though, is is that, you know, for any buyer, and, and I'm being honest here, it's a leap of faith, right? You guys are fresh into this. Um, uh, it's new tech for you guys. Um, you've got to presumably train up your whole network of stores. You've got to get charging infrastructure. You've got to get technical staff. You had some f- fabulous people here today who are obviously really, really skilled, and I think one of them was involved in the battery development, he was telling me, back in the States. Is that what's going to get me to pay, to convince my wife to pay 49000 for the bike? Is it the, the brand strength that uh, that people are going to have to rely on to, to justify it? Yeah, I think um, in terms of the price point, um, you know, it's we absolutely wanted to come to market with the very best in EV uh, and showcase, I guess, from a Harley-Davidson perspective, what we felt uh, an EV motorcycle should look like, should perform uh, to to that level. Um, and then just coming back to, I guess, the, the support and infrastructure. Uh, so in very literal uh, terms, so the, the bike comes with uh, two years free roadside assistance. So should anything happen, and obviously there's less moving parts, so I would imagine there's less likelihood of anything happening. Probably the, we're actually pretty keen to see uh, what the, the call-out reasons are, and we <laughs> potentially think it will be obviously people just running out of charge. Uh, so obviously the rider, the owner is supported with that, so whether it's run out of charge or whatever it may be, roadside assistance is there. Mm-hmm. Um, the dealer network, uh, you know, yes, it's it's new for them, but um, over the past couple of years, that's what we've been focusing on ahead of the launch. So uh, the bike will be sold through uh, approved EV Harley-Davidson dealers. It's an opt-in for the dealer, uh, but uh, to to be able to be an EV dealer, they have to go through a range of uh, different criteria. Uh, one of the most important is ensuring that their staff are trained to a certain level. So there is essentially um, what we call master level training. Uh, so it's essentially the highest level that dealer staff can go to. Uh, across the board, across everything, uh, whether it's technical or sales. Uh, so the, the uh, EV dealer must have a number of staff with that level of training. On top of that, the staff then have to complete EV um, accreditation as well. Mm. It is super important. It doesn't matter, I guess, 
how much marketing we do uh, is super important when that customer walks through the door at the, the EV approved dealer, they are welcomed and, and obviously the staff know exactly what they're talking about mm. uh, end to end. Mm. Um, you know, and yes, it's new for us, but you know, we've been um, looking at EV probably before uh, Project Livewire back in 2014 uh, actually came into the public domain. I would imagine, uh, and unfortunately I don't know just how long, I would imagine to get to the stage that in 2014 we had Project Livewire, there must have been a good number of years where on the lead up to, to actually releasing that. Of and, and Project Livewire was there to um, you know, gain that public uh, feedback and media feedback around, I guess, Harley uh, coming to market with an EV bike. And then secondly, and probably more importantly, is getting feedback in terms of the technology, the performance, allowing us to then build the bike that we are now coming to market with. Mm. I love it. Um, so, mate, we, we probably need to wrap it up, but um, I know there's a bunch of listeners out there eagerly awaiting uh, this interview so that they can learn a bit more about the bike and, and to know that it's available now in Australia. Um, there's, there's a lot of listeners out there who have been saving up their bickies and thinking about uh, their, their electric motorcycle purchase. Where are you at right now? How many dealers do you have up and running right now? And what, what's the schedule f- for people to actually be able to go out and buy the bike? Yep. Uh, so in total, across Australia and New Zealand, there's 10 at the moment. Uh, so there's two in New Zealand and eight in Australia. Um, so you can go onto the, the Harley-Davidson website, uh, dealer locator, you can select EV dealer. That will give you your list of uh, EV dealers. Um, Schedule-wise, as I said, it's, it's actually entirely up to the dealer. Mm. So uh, obviously we've got um, some dealers who are completely on board and, and ready to go. Uh, some uh, will obviously be watching this space mm. um, to see how, how the, the overall um, EV uh, market uh, develops over time. Uh, probably in addition to that, obviously, uh, as we uh, release more models over the next few years, that just builds up the, the EV family. Uh, mm. Still focusing on our uh, internal combustion engines as well uh, and families, but obviously EV is a a great new market uh, for us to essentially we plan to lead in mm. beautiful so bikes in the country now if i if i if i can so, talk um, nicely i'll take the missus out to dinner tonight you know 50 grand pulled out of the mortgage tomorrow how long am i gonna have to wait to get a bike so uh bikes are on their way uh, so we expect the bikes to probably be actually in the dealers uh probably in the next couple of weeks yeah great Keith, um, thanks again for the opportunity to go for a ride on the bike today and for all um, the the chance to chat to you and um, best of luck to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. That was uh, Keith Wardell from Harley-Davidson. Nigel, who do you think is going to be buying the Harley-Davidson electric live wire? (laughs) So as I said in my article, Giles, you know, there is a market for people who want to buy $50,000 plus motorcycles in Australia and indeed around the world. And so they will undoubtedly, um, there will undoubtedly be, you know, a, a decent little market for it. Um, I tried to break this apart and, and you know, what, what Keith highlighted was that a lot of existing Harley owners were actually coming to them. And, and bear in mind, listeners, a top of the range Harley is more expensive than the than the live wire, right? You, you you're pushing towards fifty five, sixty thousand dollars for a standard, not a standard, a top of the range, fully 
set up uh, Harley Davidson uh, with a petrol motor. So it's not the most expensive bike in their fleet. Um, so they have quite a lot of existing owners who might have one or two, you know, very, very high end Harleys who are looking at this and saying to themselves, this would be fun to pop down to the shops on or, you know, have a little weekend blast on. It's a sportier version. So I've got my wide glide for my big touring exercises. I've got my, I don't know, my nonclementure in Harley, embarrassingly, but, you know, my FXLS for, for you know, street rotting and another one for bobbing. And this is my, this is my little blaster. It'll be my, probably my fastest Harley. Um, it's high tech. It's got all the brand behind it, and I can wheel it into a Harley dealer anywhere in the country and get it supported like crazy. So, um, you know, the first and foremost buyers are going to be existing Harley buyers. Then you've got a second group of people who are maybe people who just want the latest tech. Now, I'd put myself in that bucket, uh, Giles. I, I love a bit of fresh tech, especially around motorcycles. But I don't have 50 grand to spend on one, sadly. I've got some other commitments, uh, a family and, you know, other things. So I'm not a $50,000 motorcycle buyer. I'm looking for something that's more affordable than that. So it's not me. Um, someone asked me this on Facebook and said, would you buy one? I said, yeah, actually, I probably wouldn't, being totally honest. Not because I don't think it's super cool, not because I don't think it's wonderful, but I'm a tinkerer. I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit more evangelistic. I like to play around with things and I don't have 50 grand laying around to throw into one. So it's not me, Giles, but I think there are diehard Harley fans and I think there are people out there who have enough cash. Uh, and interestingly, this year they can't fly to Bali and spend 50 grand on a family holiday. They can't go to Fiji and spend 30 grand on a holiday. So what I'm hearing on the round the grapevine is actually those wealthy individuals might have a little bit of cash in their pocket and they might want a toy to scoot around town on. And so they're not spending it on a holiday because they can't. So they might spend it on a Harley. Interesting stuff. Um, what does it mean in the great scheme of things in the transition from um, um, fossil fuel motorbikes, petrol bikes to electric bikes? I mean, you know, when we talk about electric cars, we think about Teslas leading the way and all the other car makers following. What does this signify for the transition um, to electric in the two-wheeled variety? That's such a good question. That's such a good question because it actually signifies a major milestone Firstly, because it is one of the oldest motorcycle companies in the world, right? These guys have been building motorcycles for 117 years. They know what they're doing. They understand their market. They understand their buyers. They're understanding the changing demographics of buyers. And they have, Harley Davidson, have decided, rightly or wrongly, that'll be proven, but they've decided that the future is going to need an electric motorcycle in the mix. So when a major manufacturer, we've all we've had so far is specialists we've had we've had uh, niche um, companies who are really you know tiny brands that are unknown to, to to Joe public but Harley is completely different and so that changes everything secondly what they've also done is they've incorporated some amazing learnings that they have through simply building lots and lots of big motorbikes to put into place. So they've used some of those lessons and some of those learnings to build this motorcycle. For example, 
when you look at the photo of the of the of the live wire, you can see those big frame rails wrapping around the battery. One of the things I learned was that those frame rails are actually kind of cosmetic. Um, the actual um, structural integrity of the chassis relies on the battery box, which is a very very carefully engineered diecast case that basically. You know, it's like when you think of a Harley Davidson, it's the motor that creates the the kind of stressed uh, element in the whole bike. It's this big solid piece of steel that or aluminium that connects the back to the front, and they can control the flex and the dynamics of the way it handles and all that kind of stuff. And they've taken exactly that same logic and applied it to a battery case, and made that a stressed member. So the frame rails then simply provide a role of adding some unique. Um, dynamics around uh, around um, how the the bike behaves and how the frame flexes or doesn't flex. It adds protection, and it adds a couple of other elements. So it's a really interesting thing to see them sort of bringing their engineering expertise into this space. They also going back to the tank. You mentioned the tank before. The tank looks beautiful, a nice paint job, all sorts of colours, fits well. But it's actually just a pretty simple plastic covering that sits over the top of the electronics and the charge port and the charger, and then the battery sits underneath that. One of the things the engineers highlighted to me, Giles, that for safety, that is designed so that you can slip your fingers under it and tear it out, and it will tear off. It's designed as a tear-off cover, and under that cover <laughs> are two cables with labels on them saying emergency services cut here to isolate machine so it is deliberately designed to allow you to tear that cover off and access a safety um, uh, um, um, you know first responder safety device so they've, they've done some really really interesting things um, the other thing that they've done and, and sorry you started me now but you know the motor is mounted underneath the bike instead of like most electric motorbikes, the, the motor's mounted, you know, sort of in the swing arm and driving direct off the end of the motor to the, to the, to the pulley or the chain. But with Harley, what they've done is they've put it long ways and put a bevel gear arrangement in to drive to the, to the belt. Now, why would you do that? Well, because now you've got some noise. Now you've got a little bit of character coming in as that bevel gear. And I actually, I actually noticed it on mine on the test drive. I was noticing it only just as I was pulling into lights, I could hear this kind of it wasn't anywhere near that loud. I actually bailed up one of the engineers who was with us and said, was that the belt? And he said, no, nope, that's the bevel drive. That's the mechanical noise that you're hearing as uh, as the drivetrain is is you know lashing a little bit, and you know part of the reason they've done that is to give it this very real, tangible sound and feel. It's very subtle, but it's there. Gustav Nigel, look, I think we're going to have to uh, wrap it up. Um, look, fascinating insight. Um, great interview um, with with um, with the Harley guy. Um, I do recommend people um, read Nigel's review, which you can find at the Driven in our review section. Uh, more than thirty thousand people have read that review already, which just goes to show the interest there is in um, Harley Electric and just the just the fact. Um, I think, as as you said, Nigel, just the fact that Nikon has gone electric rather than the fact that thirty thousand people might go out and buy one. Um, I think is um, is the significant thing, and um, yeah, 
That's the story. Nigel, um, we're going to have you back on the podcast um, sometime very soon to discuss more about electric vehicles and bikes. But um, thank you very much, and I'm glad you enjoyed your test drive, with the uh, <laughs> test ride with a Harley. No, no, no. And no, no, no. Really, really. This is the <laughs> – Giles, this is the best thing you've ever done for me. I owe you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll save that one up. Thanks also to our um, thanks also to our sponsors, Solaray Energy. Uh, do talk to them about um, – got any inquiries about – of the marriage of solar and batteries and electric vehicles or even if it's just solar and batteries and uh, thanks and we, everyone for listening we, and and we we should ahead. say thank you to harley davidson we, we we should thank harley davidson for the invite and and the hospitality that they provided uh unlike some of uh, there was a couple of comments on the website on the article about you know be me being wined and dined let me assure you readers harley davidson did not pay me to do this they uh did not ask me to write anything uh there was nothing unscrupulous and uh we got a burger and a couple of nice cups of coffee and they treated us uh, delightfully but thank you harley davidson this was an honest opportunity to actually you know give an honest review on this bike and we really appreciate the opportunity and just so listeners do understand that Nigel did get a burger, so they should, um, you know, understand that his comments are coloured by that fact. Thank you very much, Nigel. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Solaray Energy. Solaray Energy has been designing and installing solar and storage solutions for electric vehicle owners since EVs first arrived in Australia. There's a smarter way to run your EV from Solaray. Visit solaray.com.au forward slash the driven.